Section 14 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. Chapter 7, Part 2. Narcisse must have felt the sting of the prelate's delicate sarcasm. At bottom, beneath this make-believe Florentine all-angelicalness, with long curly hair and mauve eyes which grew dim with rapture at sight of a Botticelli, there was a thoroughly practical, business-like young man, who took admirable care of his fortune and was even somewhat miserly. However, he contented himself with lowering his eyelids and assuming a languorous air. "'Oh,' said he, "'I'm all reverie. My soul is elsewhere.' "'At all events,' resumed Nani, turning towards Pierre, "'I am very glad that you were able to see such a beautiful spectacle.' A few more such opportunities, and you will understand things far better than you would from all the explanations in the world. Don't miss the grand ceremony at St. Peter's tomorrow. It will be magnificent, and will give you food for useful reflection. I am sure of it. And now allow me to leave you, delighted at seeing you in such a fit frame of mind. Darting a last glance at Pierre, Nani seemed to have observed with pleasure the weariness and uncertainty which were paling his face and when the prelate had gone off and narcisse also had taken leave with a gentle handshake the young priest felt the ire of protest rising within him what fit frame of mind did nani mean did that man hope to weary him and drive him to despair by throwing him into collision with obstacles so that he might afterwards overcome him with perfect ease for the second time pierre became suddenly and briefly conscious of the stealthy efforts which were being made to invest and crush him but believing as he did in his own strength of resistance pride filled him with disdain again he swore that he would never yield never withdraw his book no matter what might happen and then before crossing the piazza he once more raised his eyes to the windows of the vatican all his impressions crystallizing in the thought of that much-needed money which like a last bond still attached to the pope to earth its chief evil doubtless lay in the manner in which it was provided and if indeed the only question were to devise an improved method of collection his dream of a pope who should be all soul the bond of love the spiritual leader of the world would not be seriously affected at this thought pierre felt comforted and was unwilling to look on things otherwise than hopefully moved as he was by the extraordinary scene which he had just beheld that feeble old man shining forth like the symbol of human deliverance obeyed and venerated by the multitudes and alone among all men endowed with the moral omnipotence that might at last set the reign of charity and peace on earth for the ceremony on the following day it was fortunate that pierre held a private ticket which admitted him to a reserved gallery for the scramble at the entrances to the basilica proved terrible the mass which the pope was to celebrate in person was fixed for ten o'clock but people began to pour into st peter's four hours earlier as soon indeed as the gates had been thrown open the three thousand members of the international pilgrimage were increased tenfold by the arrival of all the tourists in italy who had hastened to rome eager to witness one of those great pontifical functions which nowadays are so rare moreover the devotees and partisans whom the holy see numbered in rome itself and in other great cities of the kingdom helped to swell the throng all alacrity at the prospect of a demonstration judging by the tickets distributed there would be a concourse of forty thousand people and indeed at nine o'clock when pierre crossed the piazza on his way to the canon's entrance in the via santa maria 
where the holders of pink tickets were admitted he saw the portico of the facade still thronged with people who were but slowly gaining admittance while several gentlemen in evening dress members of some catholic association bestirred themselves to maintain order with the help of a detachment of pontifical guards nevertheless violent quarrels broke out in the crowd and blows were exchanged amidst the involuntary scramble some people were almost stifled and two women were carried off half crushed to death a disagreeable surprise met pierre on his entry into the basilica the huge edifice was draped coverings of old red damask with bands of gold swathed the columns and pilasters seventy-five feet high even the aisles were hung with the same old and faded silk and the shrouding of those pompous marbles of all the superb dazzling ornamentation of the church bespoke a very singular taste a tawdry affectation of pomposity extremely wretched in its effect however he was yet more amazed on seeing that even the statue of st peter was clad costumed like a living pope in sumptuous pontifical vestments with a tiara on its metal head he had never imagined that people could garment statues either for their glory or for the pleasure of the eyes and the result seemed to him disastrous the pope was to say mass at the papal altar of the confession the high altar which stands under the dome on a platform at the entrance of the left-hand transept was the throne on which he would afterwards take his place then on either side of the nave tribunes had been erected for the choristers of the sixteen chapel the corps diplomatique the knights of malta the roman nobility and other guests of various kinds and finally in the centre before the altar there were three rows of benches covered with red rugs the first for the cardinals and the other two for the bishops and the prelates of the pontifical court all the rest of the congregation was to remain standing ah that huge concert audience those thirty forty thousand believers from here there and everywhere inflamed with curiosity passion or faith bestirring themselves jostling one another rising on tiptoe to see the better the clamour of a human sea arose the crowd was as gay and familiar as if it had found itself in some heavenly theatre where it was allowable for one to chat aloud and recreate oneself with the spectacle of religious pomp at first pierre was thunderstruck he who only knew of nervous silent kneeling in the depths of dim cathedrals who was not accustomed to that religion of light whose brilliancy transformed a religious celebration into a morning festivity around him in the same tribune as himself were gentlemen in dress coats and ladies gowned in black carrying glasses as in an opera house there were german and english women and numerous americans all more or less charming displaying the grace of thoughtless chirruping birds in the tribune of the roman nobility on the left he recognized benedetta and donna serafina and there the simplicity of the regulation attire for ladies was relieved by large lace veils rivalling one another in richness and elegance then on the right was the tribune of the knights of malta where the grand master stood amidst a group of commanders while across the nave rose the diplomatic tribune where pierre perceived the ambassadors of all the catholic nations resplendent in gala uniforms covered with gold lace however the young priest's eyes were ever returning to the crowd the great surging throng in which the three thousand pilgrims were lost amidst the multitude of other spectators and yet as the basilica was so vast that it could easily contain eighty thousand people it did not seem to be more than half full people came and went along the aisles and took up favourable positions without impediment some could be seen gesticulating and calls rang out above the ceaseless rumble of voices 
from the lofty windows of plain white glass fell broad sheets of sunlight which set a gory glow upon the faded damask hangings and these cast a reflection as of fire upon all the tumultuous feverish impatient faces the multitude of candles and the seven and eighty lamps of the confession paled to such a degree that they seemed but glimmering night-lights in the blinding radiance and everything proclaimed the worldly gala of the imperial deity of roman pomp all at once there came a premature shock of delight a false alarm cries burst forth and circulated through the crowd eccolo eccolo here he comes and then there was pushing and jostling eddying which made the human sea whirl and surge all craning their necks raising themselves to their full height darting forward in a frenzied desire to see the holy father and the cortege but only a detachment of noble guards marched by and took up position right and left of the altar a flattering murmur accompanied them their fine impassive bearing with its exaggerated military stiffness provoking the admiration of the throng an american woman declared that they were superb-looking fellows and a roman lady gave an english friend some particulars about the select court to which they belonged formerly said she the young men of the aristocracy had greatly sought the honour of forming part of it for the sake of wearing its rich uniform and caracoling in front of the ladies but recruiting was now such a difficult matter that one had to content oneself with good-looking young men of doubtful or ruined nobility whose only care was for the meagre pay which just enabled them to live when another quarter of an hour of chatting and scrutinizing had elapsed the papal cortege at last made its appearance and no sooner was it seen than applause burst forth as in a theatre furious applause it was which rose and rolled along under the vaulted ceilings suggesting the acclamations which ring out when some popular idolized actor makes his entry on the stage as in a theatre too everything had been very skilfully contrived so as to produce all possible effect amidst the magnificent scenery of the basilica the cortege was formed in the wings that is in the capella della pieta in the first chapel of the right aisle and in order to reach it the holy father coming from his apartments by the way of the chapel of the blessed sacrament had been stealthily carried behind the hangings of the aisle which served the purpose of a drop scene awaiting him in all readiness in the capella della pieta were the cardinals archbishops and bishops the whole pontifical prelacy hierarchically classified and grouped and then as at a signal from a ballet-master the cortege made its entry reaching the nave and ascending it in triumph from the closed porta santa to the altar of the confession on either hand were the rows of spectators whose applause at the sight of so much magnificence grew louder and louder as their delirious enthusiasm increased it was the cortege of the olden solemnities the cross and sword the swiss guard in full uniform the valets in scarlet simars the knights of the cape and the sword in renaissance costumes the canons in rochets of lace the superiors of the religious communities the apostolic protonotaries the archbishops and bishops all the pontifical prelates in violet silk the cardinals each wearing the capa magna and draped in purple walking solemnly two by two with long intervals between each pair finally around his holiness were grouped the officers of the military household the chamber prelates monsignor the majordomo monsignor the grand chamberlain and all the other high dignitaries of the vatican with the roman prince assistant of the throne the traditional symbolical defender of the church and on the sedia gestatoria screened by the flabelli with their lofty triumphal fans of feathers and carried on high by the bearers in red tunics broidered with silk sat the pope 
clad in the sacred vestments which he had assumed in the chapel of the blessed sacrament the amict the alb the stole and the white chasuble and white mitre enriched with gold two gifts of extraordinary sumptuousness that had come from france and as his holiness drew near all hands were raised and clapped yet more loudly amidst the waves of living sunlight which streamed from the lofty windows then a new and different impression of leo thirteen came to pierre the pope as he now beheld him was no longer the familiar tired inquisitive old man leaning on the arm of a talkative prelate as he strolled through the loveliest gardens in the world he no longer recalled the holy father in red cape and papal cap giving a paternal welcome to a pilgrimage which brought him a fortune he was here the sovereign pontiff the all-powerful master whom christendom adored his slim waxen form seemed to have stiffened within his white vestments heavy with gold embroidery as in a reliquary of precious metal and he retained a rigid haughty hieratic attitude like that of some idol gilded withered for centuries past by the smoke of sacrifices amidst the mournful stiffness of his face only his eyes lived eyes like black sparkling diamonds gazing afar beyond earth into the infinite he gave not a glance to the crowd he lowered his eyes neither to right nor to left but remained soaring in the heavens ignoring all that took place at his feet and as that seemingly embalmed idol deaf and blind in spite of the brilliancy of its eyes was carried through the frantic multitude which it appeared neither to hear nor to see it assumed fearsome majesty disquieting grandeur all the rigidity of dogma all the immobility of tradition exhumed with its fascia which alone kept it erect still pierre fancied he could detect that the pope was ill and weary suffering from the attack of fever which nanny had spoken of when glorifying the courage of that old man of eighty-four whom strength of soul alone now kept alive the service began alighting from the sedia gestatoria before the altar of the confession his holiness slowly celebrated a low mass assisted by four prelates and the pro-prefect of the ceremonies when the time came for washing his fingers monsignor the majordomo and monsignor the grand chamberlain accompanied by two cardinals poured the water on his august hands and shortly before the elevation of the host all the prelates of the pontifical court each holding a lighted taper came and knelt around the altar there was a solemn moment the forty thousand believers there assembled shuddered as if they could feel the terrible yet delicious blast of the invisible sweeping over them when during the elevation the silver clarions sounded the famous chorus of angels which invariably makes some women swoon almost immediately an aerial chant descended from the cupola from a lofty gallery where one hundred and twenty choristers were concealed and the enraptured multitude marvelled as though the angels had indeed responded to the clarion call the voices descended taking their flight under the vaulted ceilings with the airy sweetness of celestial harps then in suave harmony they died away reascended to the heavens as with a faint flapping of wings and after the mass his holiness still standing at the altar in person started the te deum which the singers of the sixteen chapel and the other choristers took up each party chanting a verse alternately but soon the whole congregation joined them forty thousand voices were raised and the hymn of joy and glory spread through the vast nave with incomparable splendour of effect and then the scene became one of extraordinary magnificence there was bernini's triumphal flowery gilded baldacchino surrounded by the whole pontifical court with the lighted tapers showing like starry constellations there was the sovereign pontiff in the centre radiant like a planet in his gold-broidered chasuble 
there were the benches crowded with cardinals in purple and archbishops and bishops in violet silk there were the tribunes glittering with official finery the gold lace of the diplomatists the variegated uniforms of foreign officers and then there was the throng flowing and eddying on all sides rolling billows after billows of heads from the most distant depths of the basilica and the hugeness of the temple increased one's amazement and even the glorious hymn which the multitude repeated became colossal ascended like a tempest blast amidst the great marble tombs the superhuman statues and gigantic pillars till it reached the vast vaulted heavens of stone and penetrated into the firmament of the cupola where the infinite seemed to open resplendent with the gold work of the mosaics a long murmur of voices followed the te deum whilst leo thirteen after donning the tiara in lieu of the mitre and exchanging the chasuble for the pontifical cope went to occupy his throne on the platform at the entry of the left transept he thence dominated the whole assembly through which a quiver sped when after the prayers of the ritual he once more rose erect beneath the symbolic triple crown in the golden sheathing of his cope he seemed to have grown taller amidst sudden and profound silence which only feverish heartbeats interrupted he raised his arm with a very noble gesture and pronounced the papal benediction in a slow loud full voice which seemed as it were the very voice of the deity so greatly did its power astonish one coming from such waxen lips from such a bloodless lifeless frame and the effect was prodigious as soon as the cortege reformed to return whence it had come applause again burst forth a frenzy of enthusiasm which the clapping of hands could no longer content acclamations resounded and gradually gained upon the whole multitude they began among a group of ardent partisans stationed near the statue of st peter evive il papare evive il papare long live the pope king as the cortege went by the shout rushed along like leaping fire inflaming heart after heart and at last springing from every mouth in a thunderous protest against the theft of the states of the church all the faith all the love of those believers overexcited by the regal spectacle they had just beheld returned once more to the dream to the rageful desire that the pope should be both king and pontiff master of men's bodies as he was of their souls in one word the absolute sovereign of the earth therein lay the only truth the only happiness the only salvation let all be given to him both mankind and the world evive il papare evive il papare long live the pope king ah that cry that cry of war which had caused so many errors and so much bloodshed that cry of self-abandonment and blindness which realized would have brought back the old ages of suffering it shocked pierre and impelled him in all haste to quit the tribune where he was in order that he might escape the contagion of idolatry and while the cortege still went its way and the deafening clamour of the crowd continued he for a moment followed the left aisle amidst the general scramble this however made him despair of reaching the street and anxious to escape the crush of the general departure it occurred to him to profit by a door which he saw open and which led him into a vestibule whence ascended the steps conducting to the dome a sacristan standing in the doorway both bewildered and delighted at the demonstration looked at him for a moment hesitating whether he should stop him or not however the sight of the young priest's cassock combined with his own emotion rendered the man tolerant pierre was allowed to pass and at once began to climb the staircase as rapidly as he could in order that he might flee farther and farther away ascend higher and yet higher into peace and silence and the silence suddenly became profound the walls stifled the cry of the multitude 
the staircase was easy and light with broad paved steps turning within a sort of tower when pierre came out upon the roofs of nave and aisles he was delighted to find himself in the bright sunlight and the pure keen air which blew there as in the open country and it was with astonishment that he gazed upon the huge expanse of lead zinc and stonework a perfect aerial city living a life of its own under the blue sky he saw cupolas spires terraces and even houses and gardens houses bright with flowers the residences of the workmen who live atop of the basilica which is ever and ever requiring repair a little population here bestirs itself labours loves eats and sleeps however pierre desired to approach the balustrade so as to get a near view of the colossal statues of the saviour and the apostles which surmount the facade on the side of the piazza these giants some nineteen feet in height are constantly being mended their arms legs and heads into which the atmosphere is ever eating nowadays only holds together by the help of cement bars and hooks and having examined them pierre was leaning forward to glance at the vatican's jumble of ruddy roofs when it seemed to him that the shout from which he had fled was rising from the piazza and thereupon in all haste he resumed his ascent within the pillar conducting to the dome there was first a staircase and then came some narrow oblique passages inclines intersected by a few steps between the inner and outer walls of the cupola yielding to curiosity pierre pushed a door open and suddenly found himself inside the basilica again at nearly two hundred feet from the ground a narrow gallery there ran round the dome just above the frieze on which in letters five feet high appeared the famous inscription tues petrus et super hanc petram edificabo ecclesiam meam et tibi dabo claves regni celorum and then as pierre leant over to gaze into the fearful cavity beneath him and the wide openings of nave and aisles and transepts the cry the delirious cry of the multitude yet clamorously swarming below struck him full in the face he fled once more but higher up yet a second time he pushed another door open and found another gallery one perched above the windows just where the splendid mosaics begin and whence the crowd seemed to him lost in the depths of a dizzy abyss altar and baldacchino alike looking no larger than toys and yet the cry of idolatry and warfare arose again and smote him like the buffet of a tempest which gathers increase of strength the farther it rushes so to escape it he had to climb higher still even to the outer gallery which encircles the lantern hovering in the very heavens how delightful was the relief which that bath of air and sunlight at first brought him above him now there only remained the ball of gilt copper into which emperors and queens have ascended as is testified by the pompous inscriptions in the passages a hollow ball it is where the voice crashes like thunder where all the sounds of space reverberate as he had emerged on the side of the apse his eyes at first plunged into the papal gardens whose clumps of trees seemed mere bushes almost level with the soil and he could retrace his recent stroll among them the broad parterre looking like a faded smyrna rug the large wood showing the deep glaucous greenery of a stagnant pool then there were the kitchen garden and the vineyard easily identified and tended with care the fountains the observatory the casino where the pope spent the hot days of summer showed merely like little white spots in those undulating grounds walled in like any other estate but with the fearsome rampart of the fourth leo which yet retained its fortress-like aspect however pierre took his way round the narrow gallery and abruptly found himself in front of rome a sudden and immense expanse with the distant sea on the west the uninterrupted mountain chains on the east and the south 
the roman campagna stretching to the horizon like a bare and greenish desert while the city the eternal city was spread out at his feet never before had space impressed him so majestically rome was there as a bird might see it within the glance as distinct as some geographical plan executed in relief to think of it such a past such a history so much grander and rome so dwarfed and contracted by distance houses as lilliputian and as pretty as toys and the whole a mere mouldy speck upon the earth's wide face what impassioned pierre was that he could at a glance understand the divisions of rome the antique city yonder with the capitol the forum and the palatine the papal city in that borgo which he overlooked with st peter's and the vatican gazing across the city of the middle ages which was huddled together in the right angle described by the yellow tiber towards the modern city the quirinal of the italian monarchy and particularly did he remark the chalky girdle with which the new districts encompassed the ancient central sun-tanned quarters thus symbolizing an effort at rejuvenescence the old heart but slowly mended whereas the outlying limbs were renewed as if by miracle in that ardent noontide glow however pierre no longer beheld the pure ethereal rome which had met his eyes on the morning of his arrival in the delightfully soft radiance of the rising sun that smiling unobtrusive city half veiled by golden mist immersed as it were in some dream of childhood now appeared to him flooded with a crude light motionless hard of outline and silent like death the distance was as if devoured by too keen a flame steeped in a luminous dust in which it crumbled and against that blurred background the whole city showed with violent distinctness in great patches of light and shade their tracery harshly conspicuous one might have fancied oneself above some very ancient abandoned stone quarry which a few clumps of trees spotted with dark green of the ancient city one could see the sunburnt tower of the capitol the black cypresses of the palatine and the ruins of the palace of septimius severus suggesting the white caseous carcass of some fossil monster left there by a flood in front was enthroned the modern city with the long renovated buildings of the quirinal whose yellow walls stood forth with wondrous crudity amidst the vigorous crests of the garden trees and to the right and left on the viminal beyond the palace the new districts appeared like a city of chalk and plaster mottled by innumerable windows as with a thousand touches of black ink then here and there were the pincio showing like a stagnant mere the villa medici uprearing its campanili the castle of sant'angelo brown like rust the spire of santa maria maggiore aglow like a burning taper the three churches of the aventine drowsy amidst verdure the palazzo farnese with its summer baked tiles showing like old gold the domes of the gesù of sant'andrea della valle of san giovanni dei fiorentini and yet other domes and other domes all in fusion incandescent in the brazier of the heavens and pierre again felt a heart-pang in presence of that harsh stern rome so different from the rome of his dream the rome of rejuvenescence and hope which he had fancied he had found on his first morning but which had now faded away to give place to the immutable city of pride and domination stubborn under the sun even unto death and there on high all alone with his thoughts pierre suddenly understood it was as if a dart of flaming light fell on him in that free unbounded expanse where he hovered had it come from the ceremony which he had just beheld from the frantic cry of servitude still ringing in his ears had it come from the spectacle of that city beneath him that city which suggested an embalmed queen still reigning amidst the dust of her tomb he knew not 
but doubtless both had acted as factors and at all events the light which fell upon his mind was complete he felt that catholicism could not exist without the temporal power that it must fatally disappear whenever it should no longer be king over this earth the first reason of this lay in heredity in the forces of history the long line of the heirs of the caesars the popes the great pontiffs in whose veins the blood of augustus demanding the empire of the world had never ceased to flow though they might reside in the vatican they had come from the imperial abodes on the palatine from the palace of septimius severus and throughout the centuries their policy had ever pursued the dream of roman mastery of all the nations vanquished submissive and obedient to rome if its sovereignty were not universal extending alike over bodies and over souls catholicism would lose its raison d'etre for the church cannot recognize any empire or kingdom otherwise than politically the emperors and the kings being purely and simply so many temporary delegates placed in charge of the nations pending the time when they shall be called upon to relinquish their trust all the nations all humanity and the whole world belong to the church to whom they have been given by god and if real and effective possession be not hers to-day this is only because she yields to force compelled to face accomplished facts but with the formal reserve that she is in presence of guilty usurpation that her possessions are unjustly withheld from her and that she awaits the realization of the promises of the christ who when the times shall be accomplished will forever restore to her both the earth and mankind such is the real future city which time is to bring catholic rome sovereign of the world once more and rome the city forms a substantial part of the dream rome whose eternity has been predicted rome whose soil has imparted to catholicism the inextinguishable thirst of absolute power and thus the destiny of the papacy is linked to that of rome to such a point indeed that a pope elsewhere than at rome would no longer be a catholic pope the thought of all this frightened pierre a great shudder passed through him as he leant on the light iron balustrade gazing down into the abyss where the stern mournful city was even now crumbling away under the fierce sun there was however evidence of the facts which had dawned on him if pious ninth and leo thirteen had resolved to imprison themselves in the vatican it was because necessity bound them to rome a pope is not free to leave the city to be the head of the church elsewhere and in the same way a pope however well he may understand the modern world has not the right to relinquish the temporal power this is an inalienable inheritance which he must defend and it is moreover a question of life peremptory above discussion and thus leo thirteen has retained the title of master of the temporal dominions of the church and this he has done the more readily since as a cardinal like all the members of the sacred college when elected he swore that he would maintain those dominions intact italy may hold rome as her capital for another century or more but the coming popes will never cease to protest and claim their kingdom if ever an understanding should be arrived at it must be based on the gift of a strip of territory formerly when rumours of reconciliation were current was it not said that the papacy exacted as a formal condition the possession of at least the leonine city with the neutralization of a road leading to the sea nothing is not enough one cannot start from nothing to attain to everything whereas that civitas leonina that bit of a city would already be a little royal ground and it would then only be necessary to conquer the rest first rome next italy then the neighbouring states and at last the whole world never has the church despaired even when beaten and despoiled she seemed to be at the last gasp never will she abdicate never will she renounce the promises of the christ for she believes in a boundless future and declares herself to be both indestructible and eternal 
grant her but a pebble on which to rest her head and she will hope to possess first the field in which that pebble lies and then the empire in which the field is situated if one pope cannot achieve the recovery of the inheritance another pope ten twenty other popes will continue the work the centuries do not count and this explains why an old man of eighty-four has undertaken colossal enterprises whose achievement requires several lives certain as he is that his successor will take his place and that the work will ever and ever be carried forward and completed as these thoughts coursed through his mind pierre overlooking that ancient city of glory and domination so stubbornly clinging to its purple realized that he was an imbecile with his dream of a purely spiritual pope the notion seemed to him so different from the reality so out of place that he experienced a sort of shame-fraught despair the new pope consonant to the teachings of the gospel such as a purely spiritual pope reigning over souls alone would be was virtually beyond the ken of a roman prelate at thought of that papal court congealed in ritual pride and authority pierre suddenly understood what horror and repugnance such a pastor would inspire how great must be the astonishment and contempt of the papal prelates for that singular notion of the northern mind a pope without dominions or subjects military household or royal honours a pope who would be as it were a spirit exercising purely moral authority dwelling in the depths of god's temple and governing the world solely with gestures of benediction and deeds of kindliness and love all that was but a misty gothic invention for this latin clergy these priests of light and magnificence who were certainly pious and even superstitious but who left the deity well sheltered within the tabernacle in order to govern in his name according to what they considered the interests of heaven thence it arose that they employed craft and artifice like mere politicians and lived by dint of expedience amidst the great battle of human appetites marching with the prudent stealthy steps of diplomatists towards the final terrestrial victory of the christ who in the person of the pope was one day to reign over all the nations and how stupefied must a french prelate have been a prelate like monseigneur bergerot that apostle of renunciation and charity when he lighted amidst that world of the vatican how difficult must it have been for him to understand and focus things and afterwards how great his grief at finding himself unable to come to any agreement with those men without country without fatherland those internationals who were ever poring over the maps of both hemispheres ever absorbed in schemes which were to bring them empire days and days were necessary one needed to live in rome and he pierre himself had only seen things clearly after a month's sojourn whilst labouring under the violent shock of the royal pomp of st peter's and standing face to face with the ancient city as it slumbered heavily in the sunlight and dreamt its dream of eternity but on lowering his eyes to the piazza in front of the basilica he perceived the multitude the forty thousand believers streaming over the pavement like insects and then he thought that he could hear the cry again rising evviva il papare evviva il papare long live the pope king whilst ascending those endless staircases a moment previously it had seemed to him as if the colossus of stone were quivering with the frantic shout raised beneath its ceilings and now that he had climbed even into cloudland that shout apparently was traversing space if the colossal pile beneath him still vibrated with it was it not as with a last rise of sap within its ancient walls a reinvigoration of that catholic blood which formerly had demanded that the pile should be a stupendous one the veritable king of temples and which now was striving to reanimate it with the powerful breath of life and this at the very hour when death was beginning to fall upon its over-vast deserted nave and aisles 
the crowd was still streaming forth filling the piazza and pierre's heart was wrung by frightful anguish for that throng with its shout had just swept his last hope away on the previous afternoon after the reception of the pilgrimage he had yet been able to deceive himself by overlooking the necessity for money which bound the pope to earth in order that he might see naught but the feeble old man all spirituality resplendent like the symbol of moral authority but his faith in such a pastor of the gospel free from all considerations of earthly wealth and king of none other than a heavenly kingdom had fled not only did the peter's pence impose hard servitude upon leo thirteen but he was also the prisoner of papal tradition the eternal king of rome riveted to the soil of rome unable either to quit the city or to renounce the temporal power the fatal end would be collapse on the spot the dome of st peter's falling even as the temple of olympian jupiter had fallen catholicism strewing the grass with its ruins whilst elsewhere schism burst forth a new faith for the new nations of this pierre had a grandiose and tragical vision he beheld his dream destroyed his book swept away amidst that cry which spread around him as if flying to the four corners of the catholic world evviva il papare evviva il papare long live the pope king but even in that hour of the papacy's passing triumph he already felt that the giant of gold and marble on which he stood was oscillating even as totter all old and rotten societies at last he took his way down again and a fresh shock of emotion came to him as he reached the roofs that sunlit expanse of lead and zinc large enough for the site of a town monsignor nani was there in company with the two french ladies the mother and the daughter both looking very happy and highly amused no doubt the prelate had good-naturedly offered to conduct them to the dome however as soon as he recognized the young priest he went towards him well my dear son he inquired are you pleased have you been impressed edified as he spoke his searching eyes dived into pierre's soul as if to ascertain the present result of his experiments then satisfied with what he detected he began to laugh softly yes yes i see come you are a sensible fellow after all i begin to think that the unfortunate affair which brought you here will have a happy ending End of section fourteen.